0: This morning, we are going to be reading from First Timothy chapter 6. The series is called Goodness, Godliness, and Going to Church. The pandemic, the, the, the transition has, has really rocked the boat for us, for many churches. And people had to sit down and ask themselves, what is church? Because we can't go to church now, we can't sit in a church building, we can't absorb um, emotional worship and light shows. We can't. Um, we can't do. We can't do church. Then what is? What is it? People had to um, had to ask that question. We know the church is its people. And so we started COVID trying to accommodate worship, trying to accommodate fellowship, trying to accommodate counseling where we could with that in mind. We we didn't just say, oh, well, we'll just wait for the whole thing to blow over. What motivates that? What motivates us to keep going through a pandemic? What motivates the persecuted church to have underground services with the threat of their lives hanging over their head? What what motivates going to church? The reason why we did this series, or I did this series, in the first place, was to keep reminding myself and and you guys, what does it mean to be a church? Because months um, of destabilization can maybe make us forget or not remember when we need to when it counts. So First Timothy was that. But we get to the end now, and then Paul looks back of all the instruction, of all the the guidance, of all the warnings. He concludes. That's that's the definition of a conclusion. What's what's the summary? What's the glue that holds all of these commands? All of these. Um, this is the qualifications of a pastor. This is how you should. Conduct church services, this is um, um, how to um, enact church discipline, and the list goes on. Why does it matter? In verse 13, I command thee in the sight of God who maketh all things alive and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in this time shall show who is the blessed and only Potentate, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach, unto whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. Let us pray, <coughs> Lord, let your greatness your, your sovereignty, your power in all things in creation, in the future and the past, everything that, that is and will ever be is under your complete control. Let that motivate us. But thou, O man of God, he says, um, reminding this young pastor to fight the good fight. Um, I think uh, it's for all believers to be encouraged to hold on to eternal life. As it says, verse 13, I command thee in the sight of God, who maketh all things alive, In other words, who bringeth all things back from the dead. To quicken, to quicken is to make alive again. Makes all things alive. That God has the power of life and death. God, through Jesus Christ, has conquered death in the grave. God offers eternal life to those who believe. And before Christ Jesus who it, it says before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession. And the reminder of of Jesus Christ's role in in God's sovereign plan of redemption and And our place under that, in verse um, 36 of John 18, Jesus was brought before Pilate during the legal trials the night before his crucifixion. Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and chief priests has delivered Unto me, what hast thou done? I don't, I'm not familiar with your laws, but they say you've committed a crime. What is, and this is what he says this is the witness that Paul is referring to. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews but now is my kingdom, not from here. Pilate therefore said unto him, art thou a king? Jesus said, thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born. In other words, yes, to be your king. And for this cause, I came into this world. Bring the message of the kingdom to to enact it in his own blood. And to one day reclaim it with a sword and an army. Um, For this cause I came into this world. That I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth, heareth my voice. That Jesus Christ is our king, not not in any metaphorical sense, but the most literal sense we can imagine. He says that thou keepest this command without spot, unrebukable, not sometimes we're Christians and other times we're not, not I think God will give me a gold star for effort, right? At least I tried, even though we, we, we fail miserably even after being empowered by the Spirit, even after receiving eternal life from damnation through faith in Jesus Christ, even after the transforming uh, influence of the Spirit in our lives, then we, we still only give so much. unrebukable without spot. Keep this command. And then he talks about, um, or, or reminds them of this witness that Jesus said for Pilate. He says, which in the time shall show who is the blessed and only potentate." It's an old English word that, that means uh, a person with supreme power. The king of kings, the lord of lords. What, what motivates us? Not the, the command of a sovereign, the command of a general, the 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 direct order. We'll get to it when the other things are checked off our list. We'll um, we'll do church and godliness when our schedules are not so busy. I'm not not looking at anyone. (laughs) I'm speaking generally. But this is the motivating factor that Paul says. Make sure your people understand this. And this will motivate everything we've just said. That is why I might be sounding a bit harsh. I'm not. I just want us to, to take this away. And then in verse 16, he, he launches into this um, short and, and, and strong description of who God in his glory is. Jesus Christ is your king and God, the father, the, the head of all creation and, and, and sovereign in all things, Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, in complete uh, union, created the world, saves souls, sustains everything. Here it says, Who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach, unto whom no man hath seen. Nor can see. To whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. <clears throat> I want us to consider this last verse. A little bit in more detail. When. When God commands. in in throughout scripture. And there is a motivation given. It is. Because of who God is. I want us to look at one of the earliest examples in scripture. When when God called Moses. So in Exodus chapter 4. Um, no, sorry. I think it's. Um, chapter 3. Verse 13, And Moses said unto God, Behold, um, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name, and what shall I say unto them? In other words, who shall I say who you are, the the God that... um, promised to Abraham the God that did this and this miracle the God of uh, of the sea or the God of the sky or the God of the as the Roman Pantheon lines them up right they're a God of something no verse 14 says and God said unto Moses I am that I am that is his name he gave. Because I am. That is motivation enough. And when we. When we consider what motivates this tiny church. Well the God of the universe. Is telling us. To continue on the path that he has set for us. This never. um, downplay that fact, or be ignorant of that, when we get bogged down in the details. There's also a piece from Revelation um, that I wanted to read about the second coming of Christ. And the armies that were in heaven followed him. This is chapter nineteen, white horses clothed in linen, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. He treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of the Almighty God. And he that on his vesture by and name is written King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This is what Paul leaves Timothy. Just one more reference, right about when when people were motivated to do something, it was because of who God is. In Job, there's a lot going on there, um, but in verse 36, up to this point, his friends and his wife had something to say about his current state, and he continued to. Um, Stand with his position. I, I am not guilty of unrighteousness, um, and at first that was an, a noble thing um, to say. No, I, I, I have been godly and um, I have been just, and I. That's not the reason why I'm in the state because they said, um, maybe you did something wrong and God is punishing you. But then the more he stood by that position, as you read, the more prideful and arrogant he grows in that. I know I haven't done anything wrong. Why has God done this then? <clears throat> He's rebuked. By a man, it says that that comes in God's um, not place, but he came before. So this man spoke, and in the very next chapter, God addresses Job directly. (coughs) He says, um, verse 36, it's just an excerpt. Take heed, Regard not iniquity, for this thou hast chosen rather than affliction. Behold God, exalted by his power, who teacheth like him. In other words, you have have chosen to be comfortable in your sin rather than face any affliction that he has brought you. You're in trouble if you think that that's the better option. What motivates the persecuted church to stand unafraid before intimidation, before threat of life and loss of limb and family? I think they have a better idea. The greatness. Of I will rather suffer this affliction than be comfortable in my sin. This is a much, much better option. Behold, God exalted, he says, by his power, who teacheth like him, who hath directed him in his way, or who can say, thou hast wrought iniquity. Which you have just done, Job. You're you're asking, why is this happening to you? behold God is great and we know him not neither can number of his years be searched out for he maketh small the drops of water you know we we generalize in in the sense we say oh God created the universe And, and books like Psalms and Job is beautiful because they zoom in on that creation and they say That God is not just great in the sum of it. He's great in every aspect that composes it. He says, he talks about a storm. A storm. For he maketh the drops of water small. They pour down like rain according to their vapor. Which the clouds do drop um, and distill upon man abundantly. Also can any understand the spreading of the clouds and he says the noise of his tabernacle, that the storm is like God's tabernacle because in it is his greatness, clearly seen and his holiness. So it's it's an illustration. Behold, he spreadeth his light upon it, the lightning, and covered the bottom of the sea referring to the great storm, the great flood. For by them um, judges he the people. He, sh- uh, he giveth food in abundance with clouds. He covered the light and the commandeth it not to shine um, by the cloud that cometh between them. We do see natural phenomenon. But he's saying that God commands those things. He commandeth not the light to shine through the clouds. That's, that's a property of light. It's photons. It gets refracted. Um, it doesn't pass through solid objects. God gave light that property. It wasn't by accident. And therefore, God commands the light, to be the way it is. We don't zoom in on creation like this. He goes on. Then God addresses Job from verse 38. And he doesn't answer Job's question, why is this happening? He doesn't say because this and this and this. He just says, this is who I am. This is who I am. This is who I am. And by the end of it, Job repents in sorrow. O Lord, how arrogant of me. That is the answer. That is the motivation. Why are we here? Why do we do what we do? Because of who God is. Our, our, our little church is struggling in many areas. But we are the people. The church is its people. Let us be motivated and reminded of the great God we serve. Let's, let's let's do it together. <laughs> if you're not familiar with God in this way, that you say I'm I'm not reminded, I, I don't know God like that. I don't know Jesus Christ as my King, um that He died on the cross for your sins, that He rose again from the grave and and Paid that penalty and conquered death. And that through Jesus Christ, we can have forgiveness. And we can come to know God for who he really is. It's impossible before we do not know the saving power of Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you make yourself clear in your word. And that small untruths about who you are can lead to greater untruths. I pray that you may be central, that we can have a clear view and remain motivated. And that we reminded, Lord, please, that we do not choose our own comfortable sin over any affliction that might bring you glory. The choice may be obvious in our hearts and our minds because of who you are. Thank you. We humbly pray this in Jesus' name.